So last week, we're here, this is the regeneration class, uh, so you may recall, if you've been here uh, for a lot of it, that uh, we've talked about regeneration, like what that means, what we mean by that word in, uh, you know, Christianese, and uh, <clears throat> why we need it, just how dead we are because of sin, uh, and uh, how big a change regeneration is for us. We're going to touch on that actually a little bit more this morning. Um, the last couple of weeks we were been looking at um, how regeneration uh, fits in kind of God's order of salvation. Uh, and uh, last week Devin talked about this ordo salutis, which is French, for order of salvation, or well, it's not French; it's Latin. How many here took some Latin in high school? There was somebody who took Latin in high school besides me. What? Wow! I took Latin in high school once. Two years. One 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 year. My mother was had a theory about that. Like if I if I learned Latin. I would be able to speak any language. It wasn't even a spoken language. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> so we've been we 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 talked. Devin kind of walked us through. Had to go pretty fast because there's ten steps in this particular version of the order salutis or do salutis, and uh, so. Uh, <clears throat> But this week we're going to look uh, into two of the steps in the Order Salutis that uh, are right around regeneration. Right, just right, right around it. So that's going to be calling and conversion. <clears throat> right around regeneration <clears throat> in this list. Uh, so uh, we're going to start by uh, reading some Bible verses. And that, uh, so let's go to Romans 8, 28 through 30. Now, who would like to read Romans 8, 28 through 30 to the rest of us? Go ahead. Thank you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Thank you. So this is one of the places in the Bible where this calling in the Ordo Salutis comes from. And it doesn't mention all ten words that we incorporate into this list, but it does mention several of them, and it mentions, you know, called in there basically three times. Uh, we, you know, we go to this we go to this when bad things happen because it's very encouraging to know that God works everything together for good, but He characterizes uh, who that means by calling them called. Those who are called. All right, and then he says, and if and if 
he predestined someone to be conformed to the image of his son. He called them. And if he called them, he justified that. So whatever kind of calling this is, it's, it makes, it's, it's part of something that makes all the difference. Right, okay, so calling. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, a, couple, a couple of, uh, like I said a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, um, well, I guess we might have called it our part, or a part for us, uh, in God's work of regenerating people, and that was what? Anybody remember from two weeks ago? Faith? No, our part is the church, sorry. Our part is the church as believers. Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. So, um, the, the, the normal way... It doesn't. It, the normal way that people are aware of the gospel is someone has told them it. Someone has told them it, and uh, <clears throat> so uh, we talked about that and how we are we are all called to uh, tell people about the gospel and be ready to tell people about the gospel um, because we don't really know when somebody's going to need to remember it or hear it. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> we do know that someone, we read that thing in Romans where he says, how are they going to hear if no one tells them? Paraphrase. Okay, paraphrase that. So, um, all right. So uh, how does this connect? How does that connect with this calling that we're talking about today? Let's look at Matthew 22, 1 through 14. 22, 1 through 14, Matthew. I need another volunteer to read this. Okay, go. And Jesus spoke to them a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Find him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Okay. For many are called, but few are chosen. I think probably the parable of the wedding feast is probably worth a whole semester at a seminary. Okay, because there's a lot of 
theology in the parable of the wedding feast. So we're going to, but we're just going to zoom in and look at two things about it. The one, the thing that Jesus says at the end, which is kind of like a uh, summary to those who could understand it. Many are called, but few are chosen. And he also, uh, at the beginning, said, uh, he sent his servants to call those who were invited. Now, that round of people that were invited and got called by the servants of the king, none of them ended up coming. And I think in seminary, they probably talk about this related to the prophets talking to the people of Israel and so forth. Okay, But uh, th- that's very similar to uh, the difference between uh, uh, preaching the gospel to anybody in earshot and who are the few that are chosen. So many are called, but few are chosen. So this kind of call is talking about the few that are chosen, right? Because it's part of this sequence. So the servants that went to their farm and to their business, I mean, not the, the invitees, having been called by the servants, uh, went to the farm, went to the business, they didn't end up at the feast. By the way, since we're here, I'm, I'm compelled to talk about the guy who got in who apparently also wasn't called, just for a second. Uh, this, the, 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 apparently the deal at the time was that the king, if you were a king and you had a wedding feast for, the, I guess, the princess or your son, uh, you would provide everything. No one could afford the kind of clothes you would want people wearing at this wedding, so the king provided the clothes. And then this gent is, didn't take him up on it. Said, my clothes are good enough. My clothes are good enough. So we would say that's that that our clothes, when we go to the feast, is the righteousness of Christ. And that's the only clothes that are good enough. So if we go into the feast in our own clothes, we're going to get kicked out. So, uh, and a lot of people attempt to go to the feast in their own clothes. This is just one guy I used as an example. All right, hey Danny. Acts 13, 44 through 49. You know I'm going to need another volunteer. Acts 13, 44 through 49. Now this, just to, because we're not reading the whole chapter, this is the second day of some preaching by Paul in Antioch. Okay, so he preached the day before. We're not reading that part. All right, who who volunteers to read this one? Alan, thank you. 44? 44 to 49. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. 
For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Thank you. Alan. So well, that just almost like sounds like a real life replay of the parable. Uh, the, the, this the, the, it reminded me, I wrote it up the margin here, I don't remember the reference, he, he came into his own and his own received him not. There was something in God's plan that had to do with the gospel being preached first to uh, the people of Israel and not being accepted by many, by some, but by many not accepted. And... Uh, <clears throat> And in fact, just refused, like these people are in the crowd referred to here, you know, saying, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. They're probably doing their hands like this. And uh, so, uh, but as, as again, as as many as were appointed, so it says here, almost the whole city, the city of Antioch. So imagine, we have a city named Antioch right over here. Imagine if almost a whole city came out because it was, they heard about what was said yesterday and it was, you've got to go hear this. So the whole, the next day, like the, almost the whole city showed up to listen to Paul explain how Jesus was the Christ. And uh, <clears throat> so many are called. Many are called in that in that meaning of the word called, okay? But at the end, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. All right, let's look at John 6, uh, 44 and 45. I'll read that one. This is Jesus talking. Hey, I'm just going to back up for a second to like verse 40-something before that, okay? Um, Talking about himself, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So what's Jesus giving there? Gospel. Gospel. Jesus saying the gospel. And uh, the, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life, that was a little couple of verses earlier, that came down from heaven. And they said, hey, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answered them and said this, we're getting to the verses we're coming to, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, quote, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. 
so <clears throat> so the invitation there's Jesus giving out the gospel himself in person and then pointing out um, that people aren't going to believe it unless they're drawn by the Father. And if they are drawn by the Father, they will believe it. So, And then he uses this uh, really cool phrase that's a quote. I didn't look up where it's a quote from in the prophecy, sorry. They will be taught by God. They will be taught by God. So that's, that's this calling. That call, the calling that kicks off regeneration in a person is is a is is God in their heart ta- talking to them, teaching them on the way over here. If you believe in coincidence, here's one. <laughs> we get in the car. The car is already tuned to a radio station, and on the radio station is this old, I think this was preached a long time ago, uh, James Montgomery Boyce is preaching. And uh, uh, he's preaching about conversions. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And uh, he talked about the conversion of a guy named Newton, who's the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, and said that, you know, he was down there thinking he was in the bottom of a ship, and he thought he was, he was about to die. The ship was sinking in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in a storm. thought he was going to die. I feel like there's been a movie about this. And uh, he, he, rem- he remembered right then, when he thinks he's going to die, it comes to his mind, by the gospel from the Bible, it, from his mother, when he was a child, came to his mind. So his mother was teaching him the gospel when he was a child, but it was God teaching him the Bible when it was time to him. To be regenerated. God's teaching him. So they're taught by God. Jesus uses that phrase. We can we can trust that meaning of that prophecy. They will be taught by God. So uh, let's look at um, one more Acts thirty Acts two thirty six through thirty nine. Okay, I'm also doing it again. I'm bringing you in the middle of a sermon. All right, this is the middle of Peter's sermon on, at Pentecost. So who can read uh, verses 36 through 39? Can I do it? Please. Okay. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. There it is, word calls. Again, he calls. To himself. 
So it happens, we put it in this order here, but man, it happens at the time of regeneration. I almost picture, it's not, almost picture Lazarus. He's dead. He's not hearing anything. And, uh, but God gave the, the command that Lazarus be raised from the dead. And it happened. God called for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. And then Jesus called Lazarus, come out. Lazarus was probably pretty confused in there. Come out. And uh, <clears throat> so, so we'll call that, this gets called, this calling, and because we have the general call that's going out to everybody that hears the gospel, we will call this, and it gets called effectual sometimes I'm not a big fan of that because it, to me it sounds a little bit like God might be surprised like like that's you know I send it all out there and then I oh look I got results okay it worked it worked in some cases but that's that's not it is it individuals by individuals, this kind of calling. We'll call it effectual. You may see that. Call it effectual call instead of just a general call. And then we got to just remember what we mean by effectual call. It doesn't mean like, you know, magically, you know, it worked for some reason. No, God's, it's, it's like God's, it, it's, it's like God's command that that person will now be regenerated. Now, now. Okay, so, or you could say <clears throat> that, <clears throat> like John Newton's mother, who preached the gospel to him when he was a kid, called him, and you could maybe say that God worked through her to accomplish the effectual call. And that might be an encouraging way to think about the effectual call. The effectual call, it's, it, it, most of the time, it's accomplished by somebody at some point in the person's life having preached the gospel to them. Probably also prayed for them. Talked about that last week also, two weeks ago. So actually, we do have a role in the effectual call because we don't know. And someday, just like John Newton's mom, her words were the ones that God used. Her voice was the one. Her voice speaking God's words was what God used to be the effectual call uh, for John Newton. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the work of the, the Holy Spirit. So now let's talk about conversion. Okay, conversion. What, do we, what does the word conversion mean in English? Outside, outside this Christian, Christian terminology and this very specific thing we mean by it, what does it mean? Conversion. Change from one thing to another? Change from one thing to another. Pretty much. That's what it means. If you ever went traveling, speaking of change, you come back with change from... Europe or Canada, and it's not, it's, 
you gotta you gotta you gotta get it converted back to real money <laughs> once you're in the United States of America, uh, and so you go to a, a, a converter, a, a money changer. So they used to call them money changers, changing <clears throat> one form into another. <clears throat> uh, we met some very interesting money changers in Russia. Well, that's a different story. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> changing from one thing to another. Let's read Matthew 18, 1 through 8. I'm going to read this one. Matthew 18, 1 through 8. But you can look at it. 18, 1 through 8. <clears throat> Now, this is a little piece of scripture where this word conversion is used. So, listen for it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples, they weren't caught on, they hadn't caught on yet. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, he says, And calling to him a child, he put him, the child, in the midst of them, the disciples, and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus was always talking about more than one thing at a time, wasn't he? Jesus is pretty amazing. Okay, so... <clears throat> Did you hear the word converted in there? Trick question. Hey, does anyone have a King James version on them? I have one that says converted. Could you read that one? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Phoebe. Just that verse or the whole passage? The, the two verses there, yeah. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Ha! Converted. So it turns out that this word translated turn in the ESV is the same word that is often translated converted elsewhere, and even here, depending on the translator. Some translators felt like converted was a better word than turn for what Jesus was saying, for what that word means. So, <clears throat> converted or turning and becoming like children. Remember that, and becoming like children. Whoa, we call regeneration being born again, don't we? Start a new, new creation. <clears throat> so, turn back or return. And in the old, this wasn't, a, there's a word in the Old Testament that, is means converted and is also translated restore. Like in the 23rd Psalm, he restoreth my soul. That word is the word for converted. He converts my soul, restores my soul, makes it back like he intended it to be. A thought about conversion. Makes us, makes the converted person uh, what what he intends them to be. 
restore something meant to be. So, uh, so when we, so when we get regenerated, uh, we get converted, we get changed. So, uh, what are some examples of that? What are some examples of how we are changed? What are we converted into? Victor? Yeah, I was just looking at the Greek word for that, for that uh, converted there. It means to change back again. Again. So, what we've been converted back to is um, back to a relationship with Christ with God that we that we should have had in Adam. Well, Adam lost. God is giving us back, mm-hmm. bringing us back to that that relationship with Him. Restored relationship with God. But what's the before? We're God's enemies, God's enemies, and now we're His children, which is what we're meant to be, right? So, okay, what else? What else? Change. What's another example of changing? Here's a like. I think when we use the word converted a lot, and just out there when we talk about converted, we we talk about people change religion, right? Converted was believing in Islam. Now believing in Jesus. That's a big change. I mean, from a human perspective, that's a big change. We can say, well, that person was converted. <clears throat> Some places it's illegal to be converted. If you're registered under one religion, you need to stay that religion. Everyone's, we shouldn't be teaching each other's kids at different religions. That's a, 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 a widespread law in the world. We don't want conversion to Christianity. I would think that's more of um, swapping from one religion to another religion. Uh-huh. This is a conversion. It could happen. It could happen. You could conversion, but it's all religion. Yeah, you could change your religion without being converted. Uh, That happens. That happens. You could change your religion without being converted this way, converted by God. Right. Okay. What other? What other? uh, What other changes? The word says we're made a new person, and when I think of that, I know in my life it was. I was no longer, I didn't have to obey Satan anymore. I didn't have to think like he thinks. I didn't have to act like he acts or wants me to act. I I actually had the power to be different and do different. And it comes from him, period. And so I, I think that our, our minds are changed. Our will has changed. Our emotions <clears throat> change. Uh, and usually from the word changing our minds, mm-hmm. both of those other things can get changed because always emotions are not always part of it. But, right. But they are free. They have been set free. We are set free. It's like she's reading my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, 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 the way we think is changed, what we want is changed, our capability has changed. The Holy Spirit we is implanted in us, and this makes a big, big difference in what we're capable of, right? And, uh, and but we, ch- I mean, just believing is a change, 
like the Apostle Paul, he's riding his donkey down the road going to arrest some Christians. And pretty much the next, you know, within a few days, he's a completely different person. He's a missionary. Big change. So, and so, so that was visible to everybody. In fact, they, they didn't believe it. Like, hey, this guy, maybe he's trying to fool us. It was such a big change. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> one thing I think that uh, I've seen is that, you know, some people didn't, didn't, you know, weren't like slave traders like John Newton or persecutors of the church like Paul. They were just kids when they were regenerated. What, they, they, what I, that's what happened to me. And one difference that uh, I remember is uh, liking the Bible. Going from being, I mean, my parents were always talking about the Bible, but I was kind of indifferent to it. Uh, but then I really liked it. I still really like the Bible. So that's a change. How you, how, you, how you feel about God's word, how you feel about that gospel. Do you want to start telling people that can't be true? Whatever, what Peter's saying, that can't be true. Or you want to, I can tell you it's true. A change about how we hear the gospel, how we feel about the Bible. We are a different person. Uh, how is this? How is this like becoming like a little child? Jesus used this analogy of becoming like a little child. How is this? These conversion things we're talking about, like becoming a little child. From independence to dependence. Independence to dependence. I heard somebody else. What else? Humility. Being humble before God. That's a specific thing Jesus attributes to (coughs) being like a child in that verse. Bless you, isn't it? And he, uh, so being humble before God. So I don't need God. I don't need God to, I, ooh, I really need God. I'm a child. I really, really need my parents. I don't need, there's no doubt about it. If I was to think, if I even thought about it, I'd realize, wow, that's where all the food comes from. That's where the toys come from. Everything comes from the parents. I'm not bringing home Jack. I'm not bringing anything in here. Some dirt from outside. Right, so, uh, so we we dependent on our on our on our father, uh, humble. What else is childlike in a converted person? Trust your parents. And Trusting your parents. What else? Can I say something? Please. Okay. So when um, I think of like turning to him when you have the uh, like inclination to worry or um, in any instance instead of looking to yourself to try and figure your way out of something you look to him and pray and reliance I guess like stop relying on yourself and on the world and on the opinions of other people or whatever you rely on just like a little child relies on their parents. 
my uh, daughter tells us that if it thunders outside, her two girls run down the stairs and jump in bed with them. They're, they're scared. <coughs> so they run to their parents when they're scared. Like a little child. And, and they, they believe. They, they believe their parents. Uh, young children believe their parents right up to a certain age. <laughs> they believe their parents. That's why I think he makes it like a child. It's, it's not like it's, it's not it's not like you're a thirteen year old. Where now that would that analogy wouldn't work, right? So uh, no, they you look to your parents for what is true, what is true, and you know you don't know, right? That still happens to me. I'm looking at, looking at the stove. Stephanie got a new stove. I'm looking at the stove. How do you turn the light on the stove? <laughs> All right, but uh, but parents teach their kids. Moms teach their kids how to make cookies, right? And the kids know they don't know. They're soaking it up. Great, great example. So we being converted does make us like a little child. Jesus was right again. <clears throat> All right. Uh, first, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Somebody already quoted this. I think we're going to read it anyway. Second Corinthians five seventeen. <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Everything is different. <clears throat> Paul called himself... Uh, he says in 1 Corinthians, how close are we to that? Let's look over to 1 Corinthians 15.9. Just a few pages over. <coughs> to the left, excuse me. <coughs> okay, I'm backing up to verse 3 just because it's awesome. Paul's talking to those Corinthians, talking to us. <coughs> for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. You can go ask them though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, 
then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He had, God had a big purpose for it, and it, it, it is what happened. Paul was completely changed. <clears throat> and, and his awareness of his complete change was humbling to him and motivating to him. And he could tell anybody, no matter how, you know, like nominally hopeless they might appear. There, God saved me. And he was he preached to people that, that he you would on the paper you would think, well, this is just a big waste of time. He's preaching to people who are actively opposing God and are don't even know these Hebrew scriptures that he's saying predict who Christ is. You know, the, the Jewish people had that advantage. They could he could show them the scriptures. And he's showing a Gentile that. What book is this? Right. What book is this? So I mean God had to make Gentiles believe that these scriptures that Paul was quoting meant anything. So uh <clears throat> conversion we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and uh, we won't we're, we're out of time so we won't read it but uh, I recommend to you the mark 5 1 through 20 this is the demon possessed man. And uh, his conversion is pretty dramatic. If you just take a minute to read that. His conversion is really dramatic. He was a completely out of control person. He was beyond saving. In fact, even the disciples tried to cast out this demon. And uh, But Jesus, Jesus did it. And then at the end is... <laughs> People come. To, the people are coming in from town, or coming out from town to see the guy because he's legendary in the area. This is a crazy man running around naked in the forest, and they they hear that this happens, and they come to see him. He's sitting at the campfire with Jesus. It says clothed and in his right mind. Night and <coughs> and he became. He wanted to become a disciple, and Jesus basically said. Uh, you're past that, bud. You need to go preach <laughs> and send him into the Decapolis to preach that Jesus was the Christ. He went straight from crazy man in the woods to foreign missions. <clears throat> conversion. All right. Any comments about conversion? Questions? Is going from being slaves of self and slaves of our own sinful desires to being slaves to Christ and having the ability to not even think of ourselves first and think of others and think of obedience to Christ before we think of putting ourselves first. 
going from slaves to sin, always putting ourselves first, thinking about what we want, what we can do, what's good for us. How could we... Slaves to sin. Willing to do whatever to accomplish what we want. To slaves to Christ. Thinking about what Christ wants. Thinking about what would please our Father. Completely different. Self-reliant, self-centered, looking to God. Pretty big difference. Okay, let let me pray and we'll close. Dear God, thank you for this time this morning in your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word and for your spirit uh, that enables us to hear you in your word, to um, see ourselves, see what you're saying to us. Uh, Lord, thank you for our conversion this morning, for calling us and regenerating us and changing us so much and from darkness to light. Lord, we just thank you so much for that. We pray that you would uh, make us mindful of the good works that you prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Lord, that you would that would show us what you how us how you would like us to obey, what you would like us to do. Lord, thank you for the ability to do that. Thank you for changing our hearts and minds to be mindful, to have this the capability of hearing you. Thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit, Lord, that empowers all this and keeps our flesh at bay. Uh, Lord, that we might. Um, pursue you uh, rather than ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would be with us in the coming worship service, that you would be glorified in our worship. Uh, Lord, that it would be sweet to you. Uh, Lord, that you would also bless us uh, through the preaching of your word. You would conform us to the image of your son. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.